I'm Jeff Gibson. And I'm Shanna Paxton. And we are the, the Movie, Movie Lovers. Lovers. Welcome Hello. to the official podcast of The Gibson Review. In every episode, we express our joy of film by starting off with the week in review. What movies and TV shows we have been watching since the last episode. Move on to the main event, which is a main review or topic of discussion. And then finish up with film faves. Our respective list of our favorite films, 12 favorite films around a particular topic. In this episode, the main event will be a review of A Quiet Place Part 2. And we will have a film fave segment. Yay! First one in a couple episodes. This will be our favorite alien invasion movies. But first, we have a few things to briefly discuss in the week in review. Shanna, you caught up with a TV series, a miniseries or such, as I understand it. Maybe you can explain a little bit more. It is a sequel series to something you'd seen before. Tell us a little bit about that. Yes, our dog was in an accident, and so I got to be home for a whole week and look after her, do some work, and also watch some shows. And I got to tackle Top of the Lake China Girl, which is season two of Top of the Lake. Now, Top of the Lake season one, I tried to get through, but I couldn't. But this one, I could get through. And uh, at times it was difficult to get through, but it's much better for me personally than season one. Is it difficult because it's bad or difficult because the content a dog. is so... No, no, it's very good content, very good acting. You know, this stars Elizabeth Moss in both seasons, and I love watching her. And it's she's a detective, and she's trying to solve a different case in each season. And she has a team with her uh, that, you know, she's trying to make things work, connect the dots, etc. But the first season has a dog. And we all know that that's difficult for me. Having a dog is difficult. Having for a dog in the show that involves murder and mm. bad people, that's not really, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, it's but a trigger see, for you. Yeah, but season two, we've got, you know, Elizabeth Moss again and the amazing tall woman from Game of Thrones, Gwendolyn Christie. Mm. And then another amazing tall woman, Nicole Kidman. Oh. <laughs> so, I know, I'm like focusing on their their physical appearance here but i just i, I think it's amusing um and then we've got elizabeth moss who's like as short as me i didn't realize so. this about them that's cool even though we have met gwendolyn christie and she yeah. is a tall woman yeah yeah so that's just to name a few people in this show that those are the people that matter i think in this show we get to see these characters finding their strength trying to grow amongst all this what's could be best described as dis just disgusting, toxic, revolting, masculine energy. If you ever wondered what it's like to be a woman in a toxic male-dominated environment, whether it's simply in a coffee shop as a waitress or the police force or just even a day at the beach, this is the show for you if you don't get it. And also if you want to see women trying to deal with it and push forward. The way that they deal with it is they barrel through, not giving any attention to the toxicity that exists from these men and is one of the most beautiful things I've seen, even though at times it's difficult. Once I get their rhythm, then I, you know, I'm with it. It's very uncomfortable to watch at times, but watching how they deal with it um, is worth watching. Jeff thinks that maybe this is one-sided, 
Sure, only whoa, showing. Whoa, 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 whoa! What are you talking about? What why do I don't think? you just Why don't you just calm down? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> why don't you just not get defensive? Remember when I came to you and I said it shows how just awful men are, and you were like, "Well, that's a little one-sided." And I was like, well, there's one man that's no, kind of I, okay. I asked if that was the case. I didn't accuse the show of anything. I asked if that was the case. Okay, fine. You can finesse the language, whatever. <laughs> it's a huge difference between me and <laughs> Turns out the one male character in this show that I thought was good was actually bad. So it's like, mm, then I found another good male character. So I was like, oh, you know, we got something going for us here. But... Maybe what men can get from this show is how to not be a toxic asshole. Um, <laughs> it's completely relatable. And this is somewhat how I grew up in South Africa, frankly. What I grew up with around, you know, these terrible behaviors were being exercised and tolerated and encouraged by people at times. Whether you were young, old, or a girl, or a woman, it didn't matter. You, we were always dealing with male toxicity sure there's circle of circles of people that don't have toxic masculinity um in their groups but that's not really what the show is about it's about how that toxicity infiltrates female lives and destroys the world further and further with repercussions beyond the surface and this is the woman who decide to fight it okay so i feel like we dove right into the weeds here let's take a step back and, and explain so people understand this is a crime show. What is what is it about? So this is a crime series. They're trying to solve the crime of a woman who washed ashore. They're trying to find out who she is. Mm -hmm. And then they come to find that she's kind of tied up in a couple of different things. Mm -hmm. And some of the characters you see are tied up in this situation as well. And I'm not going to reveal the situation because, uh, you know, that happens in about episode two or three. So, okay. Uh, really, she's trying to solve this issue of identifying the body, of identifying the body, and why the murder happened. But it's, it is clear that it was murdered. Okay. Yeah, and then it's just it's linked to other things. Okay, and so uh, some of the things that you were saying really briefly actually reminds me of Silence of the Lambs in terms of. Oh, that's brilliant! Right, in terms so it's of like the Australian <laughs> Silence of the Lambs without the cannibal. But you make it also sound like this is a what a large part of this series is about. The male toxicity, that is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to say about why you recommend it? It sounds like you recommend it. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. It has a satisfying end. And th like that's what's important, right? Like mm. what happens in the end. And I love the characters. I love them trying to figure it out. It's it's a fairly slow show. You know, they're not going boom, boom, boom. It's mm. It seems realistic in how the pacing of actually uncovering evidence and figuring things out is like mm. I've been watching a lot of major crimes and of course you know we've it's like 45 minutes an episode and they move very quickly right with solving their crime also it's the nature of what their division is but with this it like it really it takes time mm -hmm. to figure out who is the victim who is the the, the murderer mm. why did it happen what else is this person in you know, what are, What other circles are they in? And mm. is this affecting other people, you know? Gotcha. Okay. So that's Top of the Lake, China Girl. And how many episodes is that? I believe it's six. You know, and it also deals with 
themes of motherhood. So okay. really, really good. And that is uh, available where? On Hulu. All right. Anything else on your weekend review? I've been watching a lot of stuff, but I haven't finished anything else. Okay. So my weekend review mostly has consisted of trying to finish the 70s Disney live action movies, which has proved very difficult. Granted, this month has been full of life distractions that have delayed me a lot. Uh, I'm down at the time of recording. I'm down to three more movies. So maybe before this is even posted, you'll actually be able to find the next piece. Disney through the years, 70s live action movies. And I can finally move on to the 80s, which will be a breath of fresh air. I can say that the 70s has been a really rough decade uh, for Disney's live action films. A lot of things had potential, didn't really measure up to potential of the premise. Some things have uh, some casual racism in it. Some things are just like boring or stretched out too long. Uh, but there's a few good nuggets that you'll be able to read about very soon. Next, our week in review. Big event, everybody's talking about it. Friends, the reunion debuted on HBO Max. I'm not sure if it's still available. I had heard it was only available for one day. I'm not really positive. But Shanna, you and I are fans of Friends. We don't have really a lot of time to go into our history of the TV show, of which I, I have a very long history with. But uh, was Friends the Reunion, as a fan of the show, a satisfying experience for you? Or was it just a much ado about nothing and a huge disappointment? Okay, so it looks like it's still available right now. Okay. So this is, what date are we on? We're on the 29th of May as we're recording, and it's still available. Okay. Look, I, I'm i not one of those fans that's like, hey, have a movie. I'm like one of those fans that's like, well, how many of you can get together again in a totally separate universe movie? Mm. <laughs> you know, like, that's what I want to see. Uh, previously to this because that would be fun I was very satisfied with what they did I thought it was a brilliant production it was very entertaining it touched a lot of things there were some things that didn't get touched on that I did want like we joked afterwards it was a very happy experience it was very an emotional experience and just really lovely and warm-hearted and kind and just exactly what we need more of right mm. but i couldn't help but wonder afterwards like okay you and i joked i was like well what about like what their lives were like after the show what was a challenge what did they miss what did they want more of in life and you were like we need the sit down sunday sit down with oprah <laughs> reveal on that one we need that kind of show as well not to like be like, hey, we want to know all the personal details of your life. But just like this was such a phenomenon. How did the, it affect you afterwards? Because they did keep it positive And I wanted to hear, well, I'm sure there were challenges. And they maybe touched on one or two things that were like just bizarre to the experience, which mm -hmm. was good. And just having different people come in and different having the cast doing having the actors and actresses doing different things. Uh, to make it fun for the viewers was mm -hmm. wonderful. And I thought it was very interesting that the format was very interesting and all the fun that they had in between was, was it was like an adult Sesame Street, but for geekiness, you know. Okay, interesting friends. comparison. Yeah. 
I, I feel like on the one hand, it, it does have this very like huge production kind of artificiality to the yeah. proceedings. It does it does feel very superficial in terms of of I don't know. There's a lack of authenticity to it in, a, in ex, to an extent, but at the same time, within it, there is a lot of I, I agree with a lot of what you you said. I, I there's a lot of fun. A lot of interesting segments that they had in it. A lot of returning faces. That's fun. Mm. It's interesting to see who also like comments, who shows up to comment on the show and what it meant for them, who's famous now or, or what have you. It, it's hosted by James Corden. So it's definitely a positive spin on everything. It, it doesn't try to dig and underneath the surface and really talk about any sort of struggles or real issues that came about or even how it affected them afterwards. Uh, was it hard for the, any of them to get work or whatever? You know, you're right. Like, Was it hard to shake off the character they had become? Because we all know that, oh, what is her name that played Daenerys in Game of Thrones? She needed, she openly Amelia said. Clark, yeah. Yeah, she openly said on, on uh, social media that she needed a good three months to shake Daenerys off. Right. So worthwhile, enjoyable if you're a fan. I'm I'm repeating lines seconds before they happen in the thing that I remembered. <laughs> you know, it's it's a good it's definitely a good time if you're a fan of friends. Really great editing too. Mm. Like with what they were doing and interlacing it with other things. Yeah. So that is our, our brief thoughts on friends, the reunion. We really need to move on, get on to the main event. And our review of A Quiet Place, Part 2. What is going on? It's okay, baby. It's okay. Mom. Saving. 
That's from the trailer to A Quiet Place Part 2, directed by John Krasinski. The IMDb description is, Following the events at home, the Abbott family now face the terrors of the outside world. Forced to venture into the unknown, they realize the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats lurking beyond the sand path. This stars Emily Blunt, Millicent Simmons, Noah Jupe, and Killian Murphy. When we review a movie, we like to focus first on the good, what we liked about a movie, what worked for us, before focusing on the bad, what didn't work for us, what flaws were in a film, what maybe even made it crap. Then we move on to weighing whether or not the good outweighs the bad, and and uh, then we have our spoilers and final thoughts. So, Shanna... A Quiet Place. We were knocked out by that film in 2018. What sort of expectations did you have for A Quiet Place Part 2? I guess it should also be noted this thing was going to release like right yeah. right when the pandemic Yeah, there were a hit. lot of promos happening just before the pandemic hit. They, they had their actual like big premiere and it was going to release two weeks later I think if I'm understanding correctly. So we're looking at just over a year later, was it worth the wait? Yeah, I think they made the right decision waiting. Mm-hmm. And and finally we got it. And we got to experience it in a theater with other people screaming and getting frights at the same time as other people or not and laughing at in a per- like weird times. Mm-hmm. So it's a community movie, mm-hmm. you know. So I'm glad that they waited um, a decent amount of time before things could open up before theaters could open up. So I think they made the right decision, and it was definitely worth the hype. I was very satisfied by this movie experience and the actual movie. Excellent. What was good about it? You know, for a movie that relies so heavily on quiet, when the score does come on, it's quite fantastic. And the sound design is unlike any other. Super unique and really giving us what the experience of hearing is like for actress Millicent Mm -hmm. is so eye-opening or ear-opening, you know, trying to understand what it's like for her. And it's executed well, Mm -hmm. so we get that. It's so much more... This movie can be so much more than it's the actual movie you know it has these other ripple effects really and you know i love this idea of family and i love this idea of community i mean here's these people who are afraid to be around other people because you don't know what they're going to do you don't know if they're crazy mm-hmm. and that's like that's like a more extreme version of what we're facing right now with the like coming out of the pandemic right mm. and <laughs> so but this need to be with others also exists This film benefited from waiting till after the pandemic was getting more manageable, at least in the United States. We're not naive to the rest of the world. And 
I, I think that lots of parallels with what's happening right now can be drawn with what's happening in this movie. And it's just a, it's a horror slash family film. So how interesting is that, that we're able to draw parallels with what's happening in the real world right now? Excellent. Anything else you want to share that was good about the film? I love the performances. I think these kids are nailing it every time. Emily Blunt obviously nails it. I was very excited about the actor. Killian Murphy. Killian Murphy being in there. We haven't seen him in so long. And I just yearn to see him because I love watching him act. Mm. Yeah. And we got a little bit of John Krasinski again. And so I love that the, the, the format of this film was like, hey, let's go back, show you what it was like. Just before the pandemic. I mean, the apocalypse. So I, I like that they did that. You're referring to the prologue of the film, pre, pre-title sequence. So I definitely think that this thing was worth the wait. We, we did experience it in the theater, and I'm really grateful for that. I'm, I'm always sorry about some of the movies that we didn't get to experience in the theater that I, I wish that we had. It's a very effective film. I know I remember John Krasinski, he originally didn't want to do a sequel because he just didn't want to do one just because. And he originally wished someone, anyone who took it on, good luck. But then he cracked how to do it. And I really think he did crack how to do it in a way that felt organic and a natural progression from the first film. He basically, and I don't know if I, I don't know if this is something I should really go into detail in spoilers, or 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 it's fine here. But I will say, everything that the first movie is, he does the opposite of in this film. It's a very smart sequel uh, writing trick to do. Aliens is very uh, similar in the sense that uh, you know the the first film Alien was one creature confined space you know and the, and, and people being knocked off or the threat of that one thing and kind of was like this atmospheric slasher film in that sense right where it's just one baddie if you will going around killing uh, people. And then aliens opened it up. There's more of those creatures and there's more characters mm. and it's bigger action and stuff. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not going to say that A Quiet Place 2 goes testosterone like Aliens does, but it has that similar idea of it's not um, confined. It is more open. It does expand things a little bit more. It goes in the opposite direction that the first went. And to its benefit, I think that it's very effective and very well written. And Krasinski did a, a, a very good job. It was very smart with this script in many ways. The tension is built up very well in how he constructs things. Um, you just know... That it's not going, whatever the characters are doing, they're not going to be able to do their thing in a smooth manner. It's not always mm. going to go well for each character. Is there anything else you want to say before we move on to the bad? Oh, we're going to move on to bad? <laughs> this movie has bad? Okay. Well, I mean, was there anything <laughs> that you criticized this film for? Or do you think it's a perfect film? I think it's pretty close to perfect. All right. Yeah. 
I will st I won't necessarily disagree with you because I do think this is an example of a mm, borderline superior sequel. However, mm. there is a couple things that I saw a mile away. That's oh. like, oh, that's going to become a problem. Well, you've got to have one or two of those, right? Well, you don't got to. You I, know, you I think you do. Outsmart the audience and and <laughs> zig when you expect to, when the audience expects you to zag. But yeah, there's one or two things that I was like, okay, well, I see where this is eventually going. But it's fine. It's fine, right? <laughs> It's not it's not a huge problem. I, I really feel like actually this is really going to be more of a spoiler discussion on, on several things. Uh, there is uh, this is not a weakness. Actually, this is a strength. I expected this movie based on the trailers to go in a walk and, and that plot synopsis to go in a walking dead direction here. I thought it would, too. Right. Yeah. And there is a particular character in the trailers. I won't point out who there's a particular character where you really think oh oh and he's probably this character is probably the leader of a group of characters and it's it's going to present its own problems mm. and I, the film surprised me the film surprised me but i'm actually as i'm talking this out i'm realizing we really need to get to have a spoiler discussion yeah. of the film uh just give people a general thought of like how much do you recommend this film how much does the good outweigh the bad and what you score it? I highly recommend this film and I highly recommend going to the theater to see this film because I don't think you can actually see it anywhere else. I think you can see it on Voodoo, I saw. Uh, you can like rent it or something. Odd. And I, But I could be wrong because sometimes Voodoo doesn't come up very well with searches like on Just Watch and, and all of that. I really think people need to see this film. It'll be really fun to go back to the theater and get a nice jump scare. I mean, then when last did we have a, a non-consequential jump scare, right? Mm. So I, I think that it's totally worth watching. We told my parents who fall asleep in films, this is worth your time. Like you should watch Quiet Place and then you should go watch Quiet Place too if you can. Um, it's worth the entertainment, you know? Mm clarifying something you were just speaking to apparently it has a 45 day window before it goes to streaming that's uh, something that the oh gosh what is it the national theater organization or whatever nato or whatever had to negotiate with the studios because the studios had all the leverage during the pandemic mm. they had to close they had to agree to close that window a little bit so uh, 45 days i know a lot of people will be like going to be available at home any day yeah but I'll like just wait but do you have dolby do you have a dolby sound stage you know like studio whatever it's called do you have that system like look, no forget that forget like you could have the best setup at home fantastic you do not have the communal experience yeah and there is something about being back in the theater watching a movie like this and it, it that's ne that's necessary for your first time so I recommend it absolutely. Don't waste your time. Definitely see the movie for the first movie if you haven't seen it already because you really do need to. This is a continuing story. Don't watch the sequel without having seen the first film, and and go go rush to this uh, your first opportunity. This is this is definitely worthwhile. I give a Quiet Place two a, an eight out of ten. You didn't give your score yet. Oh, I give it a nine. A nine out of ten. Oh, all right. So uh, those are our brief general thoughts on A Quiet Place 2. 
If you have seen the movie, follow us along into our spoiler discussion and final thoughts we're going to have here. Otherwise, uh, skip ahead to the film phase segment noted in the timestamp. Because here we go for spoilers for A Quiet Place 2. Jenna, let me start by explaining what I meant in more detail about this film being the opposite of the first film. I, I kind of use the template yes, of... Yes, you should explain yourself. Okay. <laughs> I use the template of Alien versus uh, and Aliens. The first film of A Quiet Place is confined to one property largely, right? It's about one family in this one place. And honestly... Most of the movie is everything after the father and son go uh, off to the stream nearby, right? All the events, that's like half, three quarters of the, or two thirds of the film is everything that happens after they go off on their little thing, right? And it's all about the two or three aliens that's on the property during the rest of that film and whether or not they survive and, and deal with that. Uh, this film very smartly takes them out of that into the world, being at least the town, right? Uh, opening up the view a little bit more, introducing us through the prologue to the town and what life was like before. And, and we know that these were alien creatures, right? It doesn't really like try explaining anything further than that, except what we expect, which is these are alien creatures that landed and suddenly wreaked havoc on the world. But it does open that world a little bit more, open that perspective a little bit more. We get more characters. What 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 was it like for other characters? What were their experiences? And 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 I'll probably other things will occur to me as we talk, but it does kind of just do a little bit more of the opposite of what the first film did. You expect Emily Blunt after the last shot of the first film, you expect Emily Blunt's going to be the badass. She's going to be the mother cub uh, or mother uh, bear. And she's going to protect her cubs from these um, monsters in the sequel. And they're just going to work together and be a badass team of alien hunters or whatever. Right. And it doesn't do that. In the sense that it's actually Millicent Simmons who becomes the badass in the film. And uh, Emily Blunt, don't get me wrong, you know, she, she holds her own. But really, Millicent Simmons' character is the one that comes in the forefront here. So it defies expectations there. I expected it to be like Walking Dead where it's like, oh, now they're going to run into a bunch of bad characters and try to survive. And what's going to happen? There's going to be a whole bunch of fodder of alien uh, related deaths because of this. And it doesn't do that either. Killian Murphy it, it does not represent that side of humanity. We only actually get like three minutes overall of that side of humanity, right? With the Marina people, which is interesting. And, and I thought that was very interesting to develop. But do you have any response to any of this that I'm, that I'm spelling out? Yeah, I will respond to the Walking Dead side of things. You know, we've been so exposed to Walking Dead. Most of the people who are into uh, zombies or horror are probably going to be into A Quiet Place, right? So you have to be careful not to do what Walking Dead has done. Like, Walking Dead is very well known for, well, 
is there anything is there anyone worth being around or mm. surviving with after most of the zombies have after zombies have mostly taken over so with a quiet place too when in the trailer he says you know the people that are left aren't worth saving mm-hmm. it's like well there's always someone but there's also yes there's a lot of the dangerous ones are the ones that are surviving mm. right i think they had to be smart with how they were going to present that because mm-hmm. you didn't want something that you had already seen mm-hmm. because in a way a quiet place was something that we hadn't really seen mm-hmm. that's a quality that the the franchise has so you wanted to retain that and so i thought that the way they presented who's not worth saving was was perfect mm-hmm. like you couldn't have done it in a more horrifying way and it wasn't too scary and they didn't spend a lot of time on it which right. is like please don't i've had walking dead for how many seasons i don't need yeah. half the movie to be about that yeah so i really appreciated that they spent just a little bit of time here's what we're exposed to there's probably others around there but here's this one and we're moving on yeah you know so i like that this what what a quiet place and a quiet place too especially does is it keeps things moving even though mm. there's all these different things that are happening you know the family members are separated that's the other thing yes um so there's there's a chance to take too long on something but they don't. Yeah. They're very careful with their timing and their pacing. And I really appreciate that mm-hmm. <laughs> from like a customer service appreciation level, you know, like, thank you for treating me like a great customer, a great viewer. Right. And, um, and Krasinski actually spoke to that. We watched a, a Q&A mm-hmm. uh, in our screening of, of with John Krasinski talking after the film. With J.J. Abrams. And he spoke to exactly that. Every time he, every single day he was writing the script, he thought, like, is this worthy of the generosity the audience gave me with the first one? And it's a great question to ask with any kind of sequel or I guess anything that you're going to create after your first creation. Yeah. You know, so a a great method. The Krasinski method. (laughs) You you brought up another way that this thing is the opposite of the first film. In that, the first film was about this family being together and surviving together. This film very smartly uh, separates them, right, through a yeah. series of events. All three individuals eventually are on their own. And you trust that the movie's doing it. You don't, like, had they done that in the first one, it would have been like, oh, there's no chance, I don't believe you, blah, blah, blah. But with the second one, it's like they've earned the right to be separated because they know how to take these creatures out now. But they're also not stupid. They're not like, oh, well, I know what to do now. I don't have to worry about anything. No, they like they they retain their fear. Well, at the same time, though, when what's his name? Noah Jupe's character, Marcus, he leaves the baby behind and, and goes upstairs. You definitely have a moment of. What the hell do you think you're doing? Ah, things aren't going to work out for you, I think. <laughs> you, you, know? you are going to be leaving the franchise. Right. You know? You know. But it ended up being okay, and I'm fine with his character doing that, and here's why. Like, Millicent is so headstrong and ready to, to try, right? As she says. But, like, Marcus, like, he represents who I would probably be if I was still alive in this situation. Mm. Like, 
I'm going to be terrified. And I, if I was that age, I would get a fright if I saw a corpse, etc. you right, know? Right. And I would be curious. I would want to explore. I've been cooped up in my farmhouse for 400 plus days, like, and I get to explore the steelworks and there's no loud noises and there's, there's nothing too hot about it or anything like that. Yeah, bring it on. Uh, you know, there was one thing that I did have a problem with that I guess I could have mentioned earlier, but, but forgot to mention it. Like, electricity and stuff is still working. Did I miss something? Like, why is electricity... Can you... And, like, oh, the radio station? Like, no, that's fine. Why are there still lights that have power? Where's this you're talking uh, about? It's like on the dock. There's still some light over there. Hmm. And why again like why does the farmhouse have power i don't know how that works without a noisy generator and then also how how are water systems still working maybe i just don't know how that works because when they're in the steel mill the she makes a fire and then she's actually relying on the water sprinkler system to put out the fire yeah so that she can get away from the well make noise really that's what she's relying to hide away yeah yeah. So what if that doesn't work? Like, I know the story yeah. needs it to work, but at the same time, I'm like, well, it's been 400 plus days. Nothing's being maintained. Yeah. How is this working? My actual questions really had to do with how the aliens are able to get around. If they're essentially mm. blind and they rely on sound, how are they to be able to walk on a dock, know that there's a, a, a very like six foot cross platform that they need to walk on or even up above some sort of a steel plank way up above them to walk on. I feel like you could potentially poke holes on, on the concept of the aliens of, well, how does that work? If they don't have eyes, how are they able to know how, how is it that they're able to walk around and run around so easily and so, so well? I, I assumed that they had, you know, in the Daredevil movie when he figures out, I know yeah. it's super sight, like super blind sight, but right. that's what I assumed was happening. I can't remember what that's called. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Except. Oh, but like they can't see a person if they're in the water. I wasn't even right. going to go there. Okay. I was going to say there's particular times when the aliens open up their ears oh, okay. even more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which it doesn't really gel with what you're suggesting because why would they, if they can hear, if they have that sonic si- the sonic hearing, mm. then why do they need to open up their ears even more uh, in particular times to be able to listen more carefully? Well, I know that if we're listening to something and we can't necessarily hear something, we might strain our head. A little to get the sound more in there and parrots do that as well they're like what what did you say and they'll like tweak their neck yeah. to try and get the sound into their ear canal so i think that that's somewhat realistic i don't know i i would like some more satisfying answers but it, it doesn't ultimately i don't care yeah when i'm watching the movie it doesn't really affect things that much was there anything else in spoilers that you... I guess we should talk about the island really briefly. Did you have any thoughts about the island and the idea of the island and the aliens not being able to swim? I was wondering about that. Like, there had to be somewhere for people to go, right? Mm. And the island makes sense to me. 
Uh, it makes sense that these creatures can't swim if you look at their their bodies. Yeah. I, I, we got to have a closer look at their bodies this time. So that was interesting. They have like pointy limbs at mm. the ends so they're not going to be very good for swimming mm. especially if the way that they, they haven't been trained you know so i think it's great that they can't swim i love that there's this this risk for them mm-hmm. you know yep and i think it also makes sense that only two boats out of the 10 got away you know safely Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I like the idea of the island. Turns out I went to the bathroom at the wrong time. Apparently, going to the bathroom anytime during this movie is the wrong time. <laughs> so if you can avoid that, go for that. Yeah, because you missed the reveal that oh, an alien that we see on a boat at the marina. That boat was because it was untied. Right, right, let loose, and it had floated its way to the island. And so one alien got on the island and wreaked havoc on the survivors there. Mm. Interestingly enough, though, this mo- the aliens aren't necessarily, like, eating the people. It just, like, more often than not, if you watch carefully, aliens will just, like, whack someone. Yes. And it's like, so are they just here to kill people? They're not really I think they're they're just not doing here, it to eat people. I assume they're here to populate. Okay. Like, that's what I assumed. <clears throat> mm, yeah. Well, maybe part three will go into that a little bit more. We'll I see. Want, here's what I want to know about part three, because it was made clear in this one that these things came on a meteorite type rock thing. Something, yeah. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I want to know, was there a continent that they missed? Like, mm. did they miss the African continent? Did they miss Australia? Surely they missed some islands. Maybe Hawaii's the safe place, you know? Like, I don't know. Especially if these things can't swim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I also want to see more from the alien perspective. Like, I want to see how they move. Uh, I want closer ups of their bodies and stuff like that. I want to understand. Hmm. And I also want to see people hunting them instead of them coming to the people for various mm-hmm. reasons. I want to see them sneaking up on them. But I guess that doesn't really work because of the hearing. But I don't know. Somehow. I want to see that happen somehow. I just want to see more of Millicent Simmons. And I want to see more of Millicent Simmons outside this uh, story as well. She's fantastic. She's definitely a standout in this film. And I I really had a great time. And the the Q&A was a great addition to the experience. Even though J.J. Abrams wasn't that consistent with repeating the audience questions. So everyone knows what was being said. Still, it was a nice addition to the experience. Yeah, it was like a little taste of con, but not really. Just like a slight sniff. almost Or like a film festival. All right, so those are our thoughts on A Quiet Place Part 2. What do you think? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Next, it's time to move on to Film Faves, our segment where we count down our 12 favorite movies around a particular topic uh the idea behind this is to not only share with you an idea of our taste in movies but also hopefully expose you to titles you have not heard of or seen before and to that end what we try to do is point you in the direction of what subscription services these movies may be available on currently we focus on because there are a dozen or so others there's a lot out there we focus on netflix hulu hbo max Apple Plus, Disney Plus, 
and Amazon Prime. Am I forgetting anything? No, I think we're good to go. All right. Uh, so this time it's Alien Invasion movies. To tie in with A Quiet Place Part 2, we were going to do this a year ago. Uh, we were all ready to go, pretty much. Shanna, uh, despite that, was there any Alien Invasion movies that you realized you hadn't seen or hadn't seen in such a long time that you wish you had that didn't get included on your list? Um, there were movies that I wanted to watch again, actually, just for the fun of it. Well, I guess I'll, I'll talk about that when it comes up in my list. But I, I wasn't really going to watch anything else. I think I had hit my limit when we prepared for it about a year ago. So so for me, it was the I, I know you hadn't seen The Blob. The original The Blob. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I did want to watch The Blob because, you know, it's so in the culture that I've been exposed to. And I just, I've never gotten the whole story of that one. Mm. And for me, it was the remake of The Blob, which is not mm. really available. The the or original is available on HBO Max, I think. But didn't get to watch either of those. And Alien, sorry, once again, Earth versus the Flying Saucers. Didn't get to see that. I've never seen that, and I feel like that definitely qualifies for this list. And what is this list, by the way? This is not about just any alien coming to Earth. We're focusing on movies where aliens have ill intent, be it one or an entire species of aliens, have ill intent and are not trying to be peaceful. So no arrival, (laughs) no close encounters, no E.T. or the like are qualified for this list. Shanna, did you have anything else you wanted to say about this before you get started? This was a fairly easy list to make. It turns out that all these films are fairly entertaining. Nothing's too... I mean, my list isn't too scary. Actually, that's a little wrong. I have like three movies, four movies that I'm kind of afraid of that take me a while to calm down from. Mm. But mostly they're just like interesting and entertaining. Excellent. The only other thing I'll note is very surprisingly... Only four of my movies are available on streaming uh, services, so I will let and you know. And two for me. Two. Two, not three. Oh, wow. I thought it was three, but uh, closer inspection, it's two. Woo. Okay. Well, why don't you get us started with your 12th favorite alien invasion movie? Sure. I'll go ahead and tell you what it is, where you might be able to find it, and what it's about, and why I like it. My number 12 is Man of Steel from 2013. It's available, whoop whoop, because DC stuff is on HBO. So you can go check it out there. An alien child is evacuated from his dying world and sent to Earth to live among humans. His peace is threatened when other survivors of his home planet invade Earth. And there we go. There's our qualifier. I love this film because this is something Zack Snyder got right. Jab, jab, jabity, jab, jab. <laughs> and, you know, who doesn't want to watch Amy Adams and Henry Cavall? And, like, Michael Shannon is General Zod. What? <laughs> like, right. It's yeah. just. And on some level, it just makes sense. The cast makes sense in this movie. And I just, I love the depiction of Superman here. And it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of action. You know, there was a lot of outcry around this film of what Superman how Superman behaved at a certain point in this film. And I kind of like it for that. I'm like, you know what? No, sometimes you have to do what you have to do. And that's why I like it. And it's number 12. All right. Very cool. 
my 12th favorite alien invasion movie is from 1988 it is killer clowns from outer space what the heck is that you're not familiar with killer? no okay so i don't know if it's a movie that you will like but it's about aliens who look like clowns come from outer space and oh terrorize a small town <laughs> directed by steven chiodo it is a bit of a horror comedy it's definitely got a cult following for sure. It's okay. one of those movies. Wow. Stars Grant Kramer, Suzanne Snyder. John Vernon's probably the only recognizable face in the whole thing. Uh, and also apparently Chris Titus was in the film. I do not remember that. That's interesting. Uh, you know, this movie, I saw it when I was young. It used to be on cable all the time. I thought it was very creative and also horrific at times like what it does uh, with the concept of clowns and um, all their antics and jokes and everything about them being deadly uh, turning people into cotton candy cocoons i'm sorry what yeah there's all like this movie okay. has its own kind of bunkers it's almost like um a, a, a roger corman movie in in ways of, of how creative and and practical effects are used and all sorts of things shadow puppets that end up actually eating people oh my god yeah uh, 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 uh balloon animals that help hunt down people it's it's very it's okay. very interesting that's a cool concept actually yeah if so. you came to me and i was like a studio person and you pitched it in that way i'd be like let's run with it let's go let's give it a try fun movie killer clowns from outer space my 12th favorite alien invasion movie my number 11 is not available to stream but i highly recommend you check it out it is invasion of the body snatchers from 1956 it's a black and white film so very exciting for me small town doctor learns that the population of his community is being replaced by emotionless alien duplicates it is hard for me to sometimes into the old movies. It's just because it's not what really? I grew up with. Huh. Um, so it takes me a while to come on board. Sometimes it just takes a second and sometimes it takes a minute. Mm. And, you know, if it's dealing with a horror genre, I'm like this kind of thing. I'm like, I'm a little nervous to do it. But this is done so well. The, f the effects are super practical. The acting is really awesome to watch. And I am a person that heavily relies on seeing emotion on people's faces. Mm. So to watch this, trans all these characters transition into emotionless uh, characters, I just, I love the concept. It's very terrifying for me. Like these aliens, it's like they know my fear. <laughs> and they're like just totally milking it. So I, I love it. It stars Kevin McCarthy. And I'm bringing him up because I might bring him up in something later as well. Hmm. Okay, very cool. My 11th favorite movie, uh, I, I put in for sake of variety because I didn't want us to have too much of overlapping lists. It is a movie I really like. It's by Robert Rodriguez. It's 1998's The Faculty, which is, works well with your pick because it is like the teen movie version of of invasion of the body snatchers oh, yeah it takes place at a high school it says when casey connor a high school's newspaper photographer witnesses the murder of a nurse and sees her alive again she decides to investigate the bizarre happenings this stars jordana brewster eventual director of happiest season from last year clea duvall 
Josh Hartnett, Salma Hayek, Fonka Johnson, Piper Laurie, Christopher McDonald, B.B. Nearworth, Robert Patrick, Usher, John Stewart, and of course... Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, Usher? Yeah, and oh, Elijah Wood. I want to watch this. Have you never seen this? No, I've never seen it. Fun film by Robert Rodriguez, who had previously done From Dust Till Dawn, as well as Desperado mm. and El Mariachi. He was kind of on a roll here. Not one of the greatest films ever, but of, of the teen movie genre, especially of the 90s, one of the more fun and enjoyable ones. I really, I really enjoy The Faculty. It's a fun one. If you haven't seen it, it's worth a look. You bring up a good point. I wonder how many teen movies with alien invasions are actually out there. Maybe that's a market that needs to be filled. I mean, this is pretty much the only one i can think of aside mm-hmm. from super eight but that's not even an alien invasion per se that's an a- that's an alien alien trapped and returning home uh, an alien trying to escape yeah yeah so here we go number 10 is the man in black oh wow from 97 this was look this is a really fun film and who doesn't want to see Tommy Lee Jones and Mr. and Will Smith, you know, together in a film. A police officer joins a secret organization that polices and monitors extraterrestrial interactions on Earth. I love this film because we've got Will Smith, people. Okay. <laughs> we've got Will Smith. And when we go into the the secret organization it's like an airport and it's fascinating because they've taken airport elements and they've translated them into this alien culture where it's like okay you need your visa okay where is your visa okay this is a student visa you need a a 10-year visa or whatever you know so i love the, the the practicalities of all of that and then i love that um, it's probably a little like much. This is where it's not good for actual humans, but for aliens, it makes sense. Like, okay, we're going to go do house calls, make sure that the aliens are good to go. And uh, like, okay, you're only supposed to be here for six months. Get out. So I find it very interesting. I find the different uh, designs of aliens a lot of fun. And it's just a popcorn film. Uh, my 10th favorite Alien Invasion movie is actually similar to one of your picks. It is 1980s Superman 2, starring Gene Hackman, Christopher Reeve, Ned Beatty, Jackie Cooper, Sarah Douglas, Margot Kidder, Jack O'Holloran, Clifton James, E.G. Marshall, Mark McClure, and Terrence Stamp. Actually, a pretty big cast there. This is the movie that is about those trapped in the Phantom Zone, those kryptonian villains invading earth and trying to conquer earth um and also at the same time superman agrees to sacrifice his powers in order to start a relationship with lois lane so this movie has been around my whole life and i've always really enjoyed it and i still think it's one of the best superman movies ever made i think honestly really it's it's Superman 2 and Man of Steel are overall the two best Superman movies ever made, with the first Superman the movie being a distant third. The only reason why this movie is kind of lower on my list is because if you're a fan of Superman in the comics, the movie does get a little wonky with what it is that Superman's actually able to do. 
Uh, I will also note I do prefer the Richard Donner cut over the Richard Leister original theatrical uh, cut of the movie. But this one, which is the Richard Leister version, is available on HBO Max. My number nine is A Quiet Place 2 from 2021. And we just spoke about it. I love this film. I think it's one of the best sequels out there. I love the performances. I love the direction the movie goes in. And I can't wait for more of this franchise. Yeah, that was a movie that would definitely have been on my list if I wasn't trying to create a little more variety so that we didn't have the same list. So... I hear you. Absolutely. My next film, my ninth favorite alien invasion movie is 2011's Attack the Block, directed by Joe Cornish, starring John Boyega, Jodie Whittaker, uh, Maggie McCarthy, and a bunch of other names I don't recognize per se. Uh, This is about a teen gang in South London defending their block from an alien invasion. The creature designs are really cool. I feel like we talked about this movie several episodes back. Maybe it was in our uh, favorite sci-fi movies of the decade episode last year. But I was surprised when we last watched it, actually, how well this movie works. Great cast of characters. Very well written. This thing just pops Really enjoy Attack the Block from 2011. My number eight is Under the Skin from 2014, starring Scarlett Johansson. A mysterious young woman seduces lonely men in the evening hours in Scotland. However, events lead to her beginning a process of self-discovery. Interesting. I love this film. It's so unique. It's got such interesting cinematography choices. It's got great set designs. The concept is interesting. I think it's based on a book, isn't it? I don't don't recall. I just, I love that Scarlett Johansson, you know, was doing other things. She was, you know, getting a variety of films going during this period of time. And this was one of those that I don't think a lot of fuss was made over, at least in the mass media. Mm-mm. And I, I feel like it, it should have, you mm-hmm. know, but it is a quiet film. Mm-hmm. It's very slow to unfold. And it, it really deals with women who are on their journey to self-discovery and what they might come across when doing that. So it's very interesting. Okay, so first of all, very unique pick. Didn't even consider it as an alien invasion movie. I applaud it because I think it's one of the best sci-fi films of the past 10 years. Also, great uh, metaphor for like body autonomy uh, and, and like body imagery or and, and, and having like their own Im- independence of their body and the stuff. There's the very great feminist discussions that could be had around this film uh so i i applaud that pick that's a great pick and did you say that was available anywhere it does not appear to be available anywhere such a shame my eighth favorite alien invasion film is one of your picks the first one that i brought up that is one of your picks it is the original invasion of the body snatchers from 1956 i actually like this one more than the 70s remake, just a little bit more. This is directed by Don Siegel, who would go on to make Dirty Harry about the small town doctor who learns that the population of his community is being replaced by emotionless alien 
duplicates. This film is surprisingly effective. Oh, 60 years later at the time, you know, it's a, it's one of those great metaphor, sci-fi metaphor movies. You know, I don't know if it, it could be applied to anything you could say these days. I'm sure it could be back then. It was there was questions about whether or not it was and a it was a movie about McCarthyism, no pun intended, on Kevin McCarthy. If it was a, a pun, if it was a metaphor on uh, communism or or what, or even if you want to just be more generic about it and say it's about conformity to general society, great film, love invasion of the body snatchers, still effective today. So as you said, you love the original more. I realized, well, I do too. And so I read my list incorrectly, but we'll fix it as I go along. My number seven is Annihilation from 2018. A biologist signs up for a dangerous secret expedition into a mysterious zone where the laws of nature don't apply. This is also based on a book, uh, Jeff Vandermeer. Mm-hmm. Um, made the novel. It's starring Natalie Portman, Tessa Thompson, Benedict Wong is in there. You know, this is like a really great story about four women going in after only men have gone into the secret area and uh, what's going to happen if women go in? Like, how will that change the outcome of the mystery and situation of the expedition? I love it because every time I watch this, it's it's more and more interesting and there's more and more things to uncover and understand because it's a very complicated film. And the first time I watched it, I was like, I didn't even scratch the surface of understanding this. Mm. Like, and, and as you go back and go back, you understand more and the visuals are just amazing. And the, the score is divine and the, uh, the concept and the idea is just lovely with what each of these four female characters are dealing with. It's, it's just a very interesting exploration of different interpretations and experiences coming to the table. Very cool. My seventh favorite alien invasion movie is another one of yours that you picked. Essentially, in a lot of ways, a remake of Superman 2. It is Man of Steel from 2013. A Zack Snyder movie done well. Uh, Of course, this basically is a remake of Superman 2 in the sense that it also has General Zod coming down invading Earth and doing very bad things to Earth. It, it stars also, this cast is Henry Cavill and Amy Adams, Michael Shannon, Diane Lane, Russell Crowe. Also worthy of note, and I don't think gets enough attention, is Antje Trow, who plays Farah Ol, who is essentially like the this version's equivalent of Ursa from the uh, Superman 2. And from her, we get a lot of the really cool Superman effects that we never gotten before where you know superman can move really quickly and how that can be really effective and 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 in actual combat and fighting that's one thing i really appreciate about this movie is how it seems to get superman fighting and or kryptonians fighting on earth right and and is truer to what we see in the comics very cool very fun michael shannon's kind of over the top here I love the Krypton sequences. I love the score. I can't remember who did the score. Do you remember who I did the score? I think it was Hans Zimmer. Oh, my gosh. Okay. It was very good. I'm glad it's you mentioned so that. I like it, good. too. I get that score stuck in my head so easily. Yeah, in fact, it's there right now in my head. 
one of my favorite, <laughs> if not my favorite, Zack Snyder movies. It, it actually it maybe edges out Watchmen just a little mm. bit. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, fair criticisms to be made, but I really enjoy this film. That's Man of Steel. It is my seventh favorite alien invasion movie. It's on HBO Max. My number six, hopefully is available in July to watch somewhere, is Independence Day from 1996. Oh, it's actually available now. <laughs> what is wrong with me? It's on HBO. How exciting. Let's go watch it now. We do own it, but there we go. Everyone can watch it. The aliens are coming and their goal is to invade and destroy Earth. Fighting superior technology, mankind's best weapon is the will to survive. I think we need more than that, but just saying. This is a great cast, first and foremost. When this came out, I had no idea what Independence Day was. I had no idea like why Americans were so upset about not being able to barbecue on a day like independence day i understand now so here's in addition to gaining understanding um here's what i love about this movie i love that will smith bill pullman jeff goldblum mary mcdonald are in this film there's more people but this thing isn't darn well working so we'll see how that goes there are so many lines in this movie that my brother and I would use on each other. Um, I just love the part when I, I know it's like a small part, but I love when Will Smith is, you know, dragging the alien in the parachute and he's just going on and on and on about not being allowed to barbecue today. And that's all he wanted of today. And he just wanted to relax and, and what the hell is that smell? <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly how I fall apart when things are going wrong for me and I'm just done and I'm tired and I've had enough of you. The situation that is um, just such a great story, such a, you know, I love that they include some of the international people as well. Mm. Uh, so it's just it's really fun. I can't wait to watch this again. Very cool. My next favorite, my, we're at the halfway mark, I believe. With my sixth favorite alien invasion movie, it is Men in Black, just like one of your favorites. Men in Black from 1996, based on the Marvel, 1997, I'm sorry, based on the Marvel comic. Police officer joins a secret organization that polices and monitors extraterrestrial interactions on Earth. You said so much about this movie that I agree with. It's also worth noting that the cast includes Linda Fiorentino, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Tony Shalhoub. I love Tony Shalhoub. Yes. All of them are quite enjoyable. Oh, uh, and also Siobhan Fallon Hogan. Uh, she's a great character actress as well. Uh, this is a very creative concept brought to life by Barry Sonnenfeld, who previously did the Adams Family movies based on the TV shows. I don't think that necessarily Barry Sonnenfeld went on to do a lot of other great things beyond this movie. This may have been even the crowning achievement of his directing career, but it's just such a great melding of action, comedy, and sci-fi. And you also have the buddy cop kind of tr uh, thing going on and formula going on in here. One's a straight man, one's reacting to the other, all that sort of stuff. It's just comic gold, and, you know, they've been trying to run it into the ground ever since for a reason, because the first one was, in a lot of ways, magic. So 
I had to acknowledge it as well, and that's Men in Black, my sixth favorite alien invasion movie. Oh, and Vincent D'Onofrio is the alien that invades. Mm -hmm. Number five for me is from 1988. It is They Live. This is one of those films where you it just it just permeates the culture and you will see posters referencing it you will see lines you will see memes and you will have no idea where it comes from until you actually watch the darn movie mm. i love this film i'll just go ahead and read the imd description here they influence our decisions without us knowing it they numb our senses without us feeling it they control our lives without us realizing it they live it's such a scary concept and Honestly, I don't think you could remake it successfully. You know, some of these movies you could go and they, they could be remade and they could be somewhat relevant to what's happening today. But I feel like like you can't make remake it. I think it's it's perfect the way it is. You just go back to it and then you relate it to what's going on now. It's I love the effects. I think it's so practical and smart. I love how terrifying it looks at times. And I love how not only are you on the edge of your seat with how they how they look but also what they do and how that's influencing people and how you can kind of look at you know where are the people that aren't the ones who are controlling things who aren't the aliens so i just i really love this film i cannot recommend it enough i am surprised that we don't own it mm. why why don't we own it well it's a recent discovery for you comparatively I'm really glad that you took to this. Uh, I think it was a John Carpenter film. Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, this is a movie that is another example, like A Quiet Place Part 2, that was almost my on my list. And I, I it, it pained me to take it off my list, though it would have been at the bottom of half of my list. Um, but I needed to get some variety and not, not have so many repeats of your list on here. I do think that my there list, is potential. My list pains your list. <laughs> I think there is potential here for a remake if you were to focus on the, the, the destruction of society via QAnons and the yeah. anti-vaxxers and stuff. If you were to use social media and more modern day mm. like the lack of common sense and this mm -hmm. idea of we're we're the ones who aren't following um, she, you know, we're not sheep. We're the ones who think for themselves. But those actually be the influence of the aliens. I think that would be an interesting concept for a remake if one were to try to remake They Live. You could even take on either side of the spectrum, right? Because there's extremes on both sides, on the left and the right. And so that could also be interesting to find the sweet spot and maybe they come together. Maybe. You know? Anyway, so my fifth favorite alien invasion movie is A Quiet Place from 2018. Talked about the cast already. It's it's basically the cast of A Quiet Place Part 2 plus John Krasinski in a more prominent role. Um, I've already kind of talked through our review of A Quiet Place Part 2, what was the strengths of uh, the first film. It's a great film, and I think M. Night Shyamalan Signs was a movie I considered for this list. A very similar movie in the sense that you have it taking place on a farm with a family and potential pending alien invasion and i think this uh, quiet place is a far more effective and better constructed film than science is so quiet place earned its place as my fifth favorite alien invasion movie 
Shanna, what's your fourth favorite? My fourth favorite is from 2014, starring Emily Blunt and Tom Cruise. How could this not make the list? It's Edge of Tomorrow. A soldier fighting aliens gets to relive the same day over and over again. The day restarting every time he dies. Look, this is why I love this film. I mean, it's two really fantastic actors. And I like it's the concept of Groundhog Day to the extreme with aliens invading and action here and action there. But also like there's this lovely little adventure of Tom Cruise. You know, he comes in kind of like this Tony Stark. I don't remember if he's selling weapons or or something. He's selling something and he's very pompous. And the military is like, you have no idea. Uh, like one of the generals or something is like, you you are well, so naive. And He's a part of the military, but he's like the PR guy. Okay, yeah. So in, in all essence, like he knows nothing. And so he goes on this journey of like discovering what this all is like, you know, mm-hmm. whereas before he had no idea. So I love that part. And Emily Blunt is so killer in this. She's like, no bullshit. I just love how she deals with Tom Cruise's character. Yeah. It's fantastic. So my fourth favorite alien invasion movie, you know, you had one John Carpenter movie on your list. They live. Great pick. I have another John Carpenter movie on my list. Of course you do. (laughs) It is also a remake of a classic film. It Mm -hmm. is The Thing. Now, The Thing from Another World may be something that someone may consider by Howard Hawks for this list but i prefer the remake by john carpenter i actually can't believe i'm steering here at its meta score from metacritic at 57 out of 100 that is baffling to me because this is one of the greatest sci-fi movies ever made and one of the greatest remakes ever made 1982 is when it came out it's about a research team in antarctica hunted by a shape-shifting alien that assumes the appearance of its victims this star is kurt russell This was when Kurt Russell was remaking his image from having done Disney movies a few years before. Wilford Brimley, T.K. Carter, Keith David, who is also in They Live, is in it, if I remember correctly. I could be wrong Mm -hmm. about that, actually. Richard Masseur is in it as well. I don't think anybody else really recognizable is in it, but it's a really, it's one of those great casts that becomes like a Ten Little Indians, you know, sort of thing where people get bumped off or becomes part of the creature. Really great practical effects, creature effects. It's just an awesome, awesome film. So I love John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay, so here's where I messed up my list. My number three is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. It's supposed to be the older one, but you oh, know, really? the newer one was supposed to be number 11. See, I, I thought, couldn't... Yeah, I thought you did like the remake more than the original. No, no, I love both, but I do oh. love the original more because it's this it's sort of this quieter one. But I love this this newer one too because it's got Donald Sutherland, Jeff Goldblum, Brooke Adams, and Veronica Cartwright, just to name a few. And Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, and then Leonard Nimoy is in it, so like, how could you not? And I just thought it was really interesting, and I love that it's in a recognizable city, so that's how it, it there's little differences. You know, mm. you've got small town America in the original, and then you've got big city America in the remake, mm. and they're in San Francisco, and it's nice to see the city, and, you know, I enjoy that. And uh, the performances were great, and, the, like, the last scene, oh, it's just got shivers up my spine right now. So that's why it made the list, too. 
Awesome. My third favorite alien invasion film is one of your favorites as well. 2014's Edge of Tomorrow by Doug Lyman. Uh, of course, aliens have invaded and uh, just basically laying waste to the planet. And Tom Cruise is trying to figure out how to stop them with the help of a badass, <laughs> awesome Emily Blunt. I like your description better. Uh, yeah, Emily Blunt is really the star here. Tom Cruise actually for once makes him not so much the hero uh, in in the film, which I really appreciate. He's a little bit more of an arrogant jerk, which I appreciate. This film is just shy of perfect. I've talked about that before and the reasons why. Wonderful Bill Paxton is in uh, this mm. film in one of his last roles. Brendan Gleeson is in the film. It's just such a blast. So smart and clever. Love it. I know it's 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 it is it does have its source material. I think it's a manga, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. or manga-like yeah. source material. But anyway, Edge of Tomorrow, great film. Love it. My number two is A Quiet Place from 2018. In a post-apocalyptic world, a family is forced to live in silence while hiding from monsters with ultra-sensitive hearing. You know, we've spoken a lot about Quiet Place 2 during this one, but what I really love about Quiet Place 1 is how smart the movie is and Mm -hmm. how it appreciates its viewers and lets the viewers have a great experience by not being tropey, by not being an original. And that, that takes a lot. I mean, I understand... I understand that it's hard to make something original. There's a lot around us nowadays, but this is something that thrives with that. So uh, I love it. Yeah, I think what makes it so original is it it also its sense of inclusivity or or, uh, representation of the deaf community too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the the more stories we see of voices that focus on voices that haven't really had much of a voice in the past. I With regards to media representation. Exactly. I think that's when we'll start to see things that are more fresh and, and feel original and new. And this is definitely a good example of that. I, I'm glad you brought that up. My second favorite alien invasion movie is available on Hulu. Oh, yay. Something that's available. It's from 1987. It is John McTiernan's Predator. Oh, of course it is. Starring Arnold Schwarzenegger, Carl Weathers, Bill Duke, Jesse Ventura, Richard Chavez, Shane Black, and R.G. Armstrong. Oh, and of course, Kevin Peter Hall as the titular Predator. (laughs) I think a lot of people kind of underestimate this film i think a lot of people think oh it's just a dumb action movie and it's actually a really great action film i think it's tightly constructed i think there's some really good world building here there's some really great creature design i think it's very um smartly conceived film by jim thomas and jim and john thomas i should say the thomas brothers if you will and uh, it's a classic. I think it's one of Schwarzenegger's best films of the 80s. It's up there with the original Terminator film. Unfortunately, unlike Terminator, it, it's, a, it's a movie that had nothing but mediocre to bad sequels, save for one. There's only one good sequel out there, really. But this film is one of the best. And so I love it. I adore it. Predator 1987, available on Hulu. 
But Shanna, what could possibly be your favorite Alien Invasion movie of all time? My gosh, my number one. I wish I had seen it in the cinema. I don't know. I I don't think I would have been able to because of where my life was at the time. It's from 2011. It's Attack the Block. Oh, really? Oh, That's your number word. one? Yeah, this movie is terrifying. This movie makes me scream. Wow. But I'm also like, it's, it's the kind of movie that I don't want to take my face away from it, even though... I'm absolutely terrified. There is just, you know, I can't remember what it's called, but, you know, these aliens are very unique. Huh. The alien design is very unique. The story itself, I mean, is is very interesting. I love the story of this this film. But the aliens are absolutely terrifying to me. They are so black that there is no light that could possibly bounce off of them. And so they just appear as a black hole mm. and they have these eyes that glow and they're, they're, they, they kind of feel hairy too. So like my brain short circuits, it thinks that I'm seeing Sully from Monsters Inc. He's just, you know, black and it's like, no, that's not Sully. <laughs> you know? Or it's like something like really, you know, it's so otherworldly and so terrifying. And I love watching John Boyega do his thing. I like he's the best part of it. And the, the story kind of goes in directions that I, I wasn't expecting because I'm so distracted by how terrified I am of the aliens. So mm. the, these are the scariest aliens to me. Look, Predator's maybe the scariest to me, but these are my favorite scariest looking alien designs for sure. I knew this movie was going to be on your list. I had a hunch. I never would have expected it to be your favorite alien invasion movie. So well, that's And that's now a nice I'm looking surprise. on Amazon if I can buy it because it's like, well, if it made the favorite, we should own it. Yeah. That's really cool. For me, however, my number one favorite alien invasion movie is to me it's the like the ultimate alien invasion film. From 1996, Roland Emmerich's Independence Day, available on HBO Max in Greenland. We talked about how it had this microcosm look mm -hmm. and, and how it focused on the family and the world is being devastated. This is the opposite. Granted, it doesn't have to do with meteors. It has to do with aliens. The opposite, where it's a macrocosm, you have a whole huge cast of characters being affected by an alien invasion. That cast of characters, by the way, you mentioned a couple of them. Will Smith, my, Bill my Pullman. My absolute favorites, yeah. Jeff Goldblum, Mary McDonald, of course. Judd Hirsch, Robert Loggia, Randy Quaid, Margaret Colin, James Rebhorn, Harvey Firestein, Adam Baldwin, Brent Spiner, Brent Spiner, I should say, Vivica A. Fox, uh, Lisa Jacob, the list goes on mm. and that's part of the fun of this movie i remember mm -hmm. when it came out it was you know, just based on the ads it was like who's gonna live who's gonna die how are they going to die what's gonna happen this is an awesome film such a fun film the ultimate summer blockbuster film i try i don't always but i try to watch it just about every independence day and one thing I've even done is the film has chapters. July 2nd, July 3rd, July 4th. <laughs> yes. I have actually bro broken up my viewings on day and date. I will watch July 2nd on July 2nd. I will watch July 3rd on July 3rd. I will watch July 4th on July 4th. 
a really fun and cool idea that I came up with. So there's a lot of different ways you could have fun with this film. I love it. Independence Day, 1996 on HBO Max. So those are our favorite alien invasion movies. What are your favorite alien invasion movies? Feel free to email us at thegibsonreview at gmail.com. Shanna, that does it for this episode of The Movie Lovers. Before we talk about the next episode, could you please share with everyone where they could find you online? You can find me on Instagram at Shanna underscore Paxton underscore photography and on Flickchart Spellbinding A. Where can people find you? Uh, The primary one is thegibsonreview.com where you'll find all my feature articles, including uh, the Disney through the years, other past reviews, and, of course, every episode of The Movie Lovers is on there as well. Go to social media, facebook.com slash thegibsonreview. Go to Instagram, thegibson99. I'm way more active there, very prolific there. I actually do even some bracket polls on there in the stories. We recently did your favorite 2006 movie. And that ended up being... Casino Royale, very, very tight, tight bracket poll that almost eliminated Casino Royale twice, but it came out on top of The Departed, Scorsese's uh, The Departed. So that was your favorite. You can also find me on Flickchart at the Gibson 99 as well. Next time on The Movie Lovers, we will be reviewing John Chu and uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights. And Film Phase will count down our favorite musicals. I can't believe we haven't done this one before, so I'm really looking forward to it. It should be an interesting one. Look for that on Tuesday, June 22nd. In the meantime, keep loving the movies. This is Jeff and Shanna saying... Bye-bye.